Hey, hey, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into today's episode about Rainworld. Did you know that in the Tales from the Backlog community, we're doing a Backlog Resolutions Challenge? You got some games in your backlog that you just need a little kick in the ass to actually play and get it out of your backlog? Well, we're doing a challenge together with the community. In the Discord server, we have a channel dedicated to all of those people who want to get those games out of their backlog. We got a big spreadsheet with formulas and pages and all kinds of fancy stuff. We invite you to come join us as we resolve to be better this year and actually play those games that have been sitting in our library for years and years. You'll find an invite link to the Discord server down in the show notes. And before the show, I'd also like to thank the patrons who have shown their love and support by going to patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. Those personal heroes of mine are Chris Nelson, the top three podcast crew, Zul Geek, Chris Copleen, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Nick Ficori, Jill, Kieran, Soccer, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, JD, Doug Leaf, Jason Emery, Rob Shack, Brian Skersha, Randall, Jake Martin, Jenny E., and many more. Your love and support is always appreciated. If anyone out there would like to be like them, once again, that's patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. Without any further ado, here comes the rain. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to bring a game out of the backlog, play it, and discuss. My guest today is a friend of the show, professional slug cat wrangler, Soccer. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, let it be known that Dave is an equal opportunity co-host. You can That's be right. a content creator, a successful YouTuber or podcaster, or you can just be some guy. You can just be some guy. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was, I, I mean, I still am some guy. I mean, it's not like I'm a famous podcaster or anything, but yeah, it's great to have you on the show. We've obviously, you're a valued member of our Discord community. We've been talking about games in various servers for a long time. So good to have you on the show for a really special game today. You and I are going to be talking about Rain World, which is a 2D platforming adventure survival game developed by Video Cult, published by Adult Swim Games and Acapura Games for PS4 and PC in 2017, and then again on Switch in 2018. This was the uh, product of primarily a two-person team, programmer Yor Jakobsen and level designer James Therian. I hope I'm pronouncing those uh, halfway correctly. Apologies if not. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, the way this podcast always works, no different today, is we're going to hold back on spoilers for quite a while. So if you haven't played Rain World, and Rain World is one of these games that I think a lot of things about it are best discovered for yourself without spoilers. So we're going to do our best to talk about the game, but not spoil those, you know, wonderful, beautiful discoveries that you make. And of course, story stuff as well. 
so you can check down in the show notes for when the spoiler section will begin for Rain World. If you don't know what Rain World is, Soccer and I have prepared some elevator pitches for it. I say at the top, this is a game where you play as the cutest little prey animal in Nature is Metal, colon, the video game. Soccer, what about you? I wrote that Rain World is a vibrant and complex ecosystem. Uh, originally, I was going to write, uh, I was going to say, that doesn't care if you die or that wants you dead. Uh, but it's more <laughs> its more that it doesn't care if you live or die. Right. Kind of like uh, kind of like nature. That's where that nature is metal uh, comparison came for came for me. It is basically indifferent to you as the player. Um, I played this on PC. It took me 24 hours to beat. This was the base game. I didn't play any of the downpour DLC uh, because I didn't know that you had to beat the game twice to uh, or beat the game and play New Game Plus to do the downpour stuff. So I beat it on the version I got for free on Amazon. And then I bought it again on Steam because I wanted to play the DLC, but I couldn't because I didn't have completed save data on Steam. And uh, I don't want to like transfer save data across different places and onto my Steam deck and shit. I was just like, no, forget it. I'm just (laughs) not playing it apparently. Um, Where did you play this? How long did the uh, playthrough take you? Uh, I originally played this on PS4. Because uh, I I just like my PS4 controller. I had yeah. uh, 23 hours. Nice. Uh, I also haven't played uh, Downpour. I guess well, it's on the same system, so probably I could pick it up. You probably could. You could use your your clear game data to uh, <laughs> to jump into Downpour. I I I want to get there someday. I, I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but I think this game is worth replaying and discovering and seeing all the content that it's got. But for now, let us uh, start with our histories with Rain World. And in our little chronology of the both of us playing Rain World, you came first. So uh, what was it that made you want to play Rain World? Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, my entry into the game was uh, seeing either a screenshot or a clip posted by Moon Mm -hmm. on the Discord. Uh, I... I'm not 100% on that, but I think that's where it started. Uh, there was something so compelling just about the visual presentation mm-hmm. that I uh, I made a note to check it out for later. Uh, I have several tiers of vetting that I do when I'm deciding <laughs> whether to play a game. Uh, sometimes knowing that it's a good developer or uh, seeing a really good gameplay trailer is enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I check uh, Metacritic to see the general consensus, which... By the way, is basically the worst way to vet Rain World. Yes, yeah. Because user and critic reviews are they're just so dichotomous. Um mm-hmm. I actually ended up watching multiple full-length review videos of the game before deciding it was something that I that I had to try. Um but it was intriguing enough that I went for it. Nice. And uh yeah, so for me it was kind of that same process. It was uh, not a game that I'd ever heard of. Like I said, it came out in 2017. I first heard about it maybe last year because it was it was like me. Like you said, it was Moon posting in our Discord server uh, and then you talking about your playthrough and then another um, friend of ours, uh, Joe from New Dawn Games, talking about his playthrough. And Uh, So shout out to everybody involved who was talking about it. And for everyone who played it, Moon and then you and then Joe, it was one of those games that like 
you know, sometimes people jump into Discord servers and they're like, I'm playing this game, it's cool. And then you'll never hear them talk about that game again. Rain World is one where people are jumping in like every day. This like, man, this is what happened in Rain World this time. I can't stop talking about it. So it like pushed it up a little bit more on my list. I got it for free on Amazon Prime at some point. Uh, I think it was also given away for free on PS Plus or something like that. Um, And then it won a Patreon poll uh, for all the supporters of Tales from the Backlog. We do polls every month. And this game was in a poll a couple months ago. It like demolished the competition. Uh, A lot of the Patreon polls end up being ties because uh, I think people like the way I do tiebreakers on the Patreon. But Rain World, people weren't fucking around. They were just like, no, play Rain World. It, it demolished the competition. Did so, you uh, offer to stream that before or after you did the poll? I think I think streaming it was like a spur of the moment thing after it won. And I was like, I think this would be a fun game to stream. So I, I did end up streaming the entire playthrough over on Twitch. I mean, that's a big selling point because watching somebody play Rain World is very entertaining. Yeah. And I, I heard the same thing from a lot of the people who watched the streams, but didn't um, like didn't play it themselves where they were like, I wouldn't want to play this, but I'm loving watching you play it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it is that kind of game. That's a, a good little segue into some quick opening thoughts here at the top of the episode. Um, so I, I did beat this. I did stream it. People said, this is a game that I enjoy watching more than I would actually playing, but I really love this game. Really, really loved it. Um, Not just watching other people play it. I loved the experience of playing it. It's one of those games that I I played and every time I played it, my respect for it grew until like I got to the end and I was like, holy shit, what a game. Um, It's incredible. It's brutal. It's unfair. uh, It's rewarding. It's all of these things. It's like this, I came out of the game and I'm glad I actually beat it like three weeks ago or a month ago now. Cause I, I came out of it with like a complex ball of a, like different emotions and I needed some time to kind of sort them out. But I came out of it thinking, uh, this is one of those games where if I ask someone what their favorite game of all time is and they say rain world, I would be like, yeah, it makes sense. I get it. Kind of in that same conversation I've had on the podcast about stuff like Tunic and Outer Wilds, uh, games that really, really leave a really strong impression on people. And it left that impression on me. It's a totally one-of-one type of game. What would you say? Uh, Definitely does leave a strong impression. Uh, I wouldn't directly compare Rain World to Outer Wilds or Tunic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Personally, I think mostly because the core experiences of Outer Wilds and Tunic, uh, at least Tunic for me, were about uh, discovery and piecing yeah. together puzzles that are uh, that are hiding in plain sight. Whereas mm-hmm. Rain World, at its core, is about getting bodied repeatedly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a sense of I I don't think I would say wonder, but more like intrigue. Uh, it has an air of mystery, but I I don't think the focus is necessarily on interrogating that mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, Rain World is the most brutal game I've ever played. I, not necessarily the hardest, I don't think, but just like cruel and unfair, mm-hmm. <laughs> brutal. And I would go so far as to say that it would lose something if it were more fair than it is, yeah. which um, maybe, you know, maybe we'll talk about more. 
I'm sure we will. Yeah. <laughs> Juxtaposed with that, the game is also strangely serene. Like mm-hmm. um, something that I notice is that it the, the world is so quiet. Mm-hmm. Even even when it's violent, uh, it's there's it's very peaceful, especially when you you find yourself alone in the world. Absolutely. So um, yeah, it. Not that I didn't expect this, but we have a lot to dig into with Rain World. So we're going to take a music break. When we come back, we're going to set up the story and move on from there. So in Rain World, you play as a slug cat. That's the name of the little animal that you play as. People always say, you know, there's the joke online, there's a, a subreddit called Cats Are Liquid, and the slug cat feels like a kind of um, a next step of that kind of thing. It's kind of got a feline shape. It's very squishy. Uh, it can walk on two legs, though. It, it can use its hands to pick up and grab and throw stuff. So kind of a, a mix of a lot of different animals that we've got while also being alien in a kind of way how would you describe the slug cat as as an animal uh i don't know what i would say other than what you said already it's uh it's kind of sticky slug (laughs) cat is a good description yeah because you're you're sneaking around but there's also like i I don't know how to explain it better than that you kind of stick to tunnels and yeah uh, cling to walls and um, not very effectively, but a little bit though. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a it's a cute little mascot animal, which makes some of the the deaths that you go through in this game all the more brutal. Uh, just from how cute the little things are. Like I'm not a I'm not a gaming merchandise guy, but I would love to have a slug cat plushie just kind of chilling in my my gaming area. They're they're that cute. At the beginning, you can select which type of slug cat you want to play as, different characters. The base two in the base game are the survivor, which is white, and that signifies the regular difficulty for the game. And then there's the monk, who is patched in later, and the monk is yellow, and the monk is kind of like an easy mode, in quotes, if there is an easy mode in Rain World. It's the monk. Um the Downpour DLC introduced a lot of different new characters that I didn't have a chance to play, but they're all pretty different as far as like unique skills that they have, whereas the Survivor and the Monk are just like your your base slug cat. So uh, I played as the Survivor. Which one did you play as? I also played as the Survivor. That was uh, the recommended option. I, okay. think, uh, <laughs> I think also that the Hunter is in the base game. It is uh, after you beat the game once. I've only played as the survivor. I've played the game twice all the way through. Okay. Uh, I think I have too much pride probably to play as the monk and I don't have the courage to play as the hunter. <laughs> so yeah, uh, survivor all the way. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the gameplay differences between them a little bit later. Um, in the beginning, you have a uh, cutscene that kind of sets up the story. Uh, this is the cutscene for the survivors. The one that I played, 
Uh, the slug cat is hanging out with a group of other slug cats, kind of catching some bugs to eat, going on an adventure. And then the rains come. This is rain world. So the rains come and the slug cat is separated from its family and falls down. It's very reminiscent of the opening cutscene of Stray, if anyone has played Stray. Mm. Uh, you are separated from your buddies and you fall down into this world below. And you need to journey through these ruins and find your way back home through a dangerous world full of things that want to eat you. So this world that the game takes place in uh, looks very human, but it is definitely, uh, I don't want to say post-apocalyptic, but it's abandoned, it's ruined, you know, nature reclaiming uh, industrial areas, stuff like that, but still full of obvious signs of, you know, human activity, industrial stuff, signs, buildings, all of that. A couple of anecdotes from the developers here. The player's experience in Rain World is kind of inspired by uh, developer Yar Jakobsen's time as an exchange student in South Korea, um, overwhelmed by language that he couldn't understand and signs that he couldn't read and culture that he didn't know. And so you're, as the player, you're plopped into this really unfamiliar world. And then from the slug cat's perspective, uh, this was a really interesting thing to read, that a, another core idea in the game's development was to recreate the life of the rat in Manhattan. Uh, so like the rat understands how to find food, how to hide, how to live, all of that, but doesn't understand what the subway is and what its purpose was. It's just I love that. there living day to day. Yeah, it's it's really nice. And I mean, that aspect, they absolutely nailed. Like the the, yeah. the environments that you're 100%. going through, they're not slug cat environments. They're not built for slug cats. They're not built by slug cats. You're just kind of trying to survive in there. And the last thing worth pointing out about like the story setup, and we've we've brushed on it before, but this is not a game where you are playing as an apex predator. Unlike basically every other video game that you play, where whether you play as an animal or most often as a human, you are the most dangerous thing in the room no matter what's going on. And that is not the case here in Rain World. It doesn't really matter how good you are maybe with some of the other characters. But with the survivor and the monk, it doesn't really matter how good you are at the game. You are never the strongest thing in the room when surrounded by these other animals. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty low on the food chain. And this all kind of sets up, if we think about it from a story perspective of the slug cat trying to make its way through the ruins to reunite with its family through this intensely hostile world, it sets up like a really interesting uh challenge we'll say you did an episode on whether games needed to be fun not too long ago yes and um i think that rain world is an example of a game that does kind of subvert the expectation of fun mm -hmm. um, because it's not a game that gives you control it's actually a game that seems centered around taking that control away from you mm -hmm. so I think that uh, one of the fundamental parts of the game is uh, feeling helpless. Yeah. And that uh, I think that ties into, you know, your overall objective and uh, exploration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this, this really kind of like starts to pretty naturally go into gameplay. So we'll touch on that here in a second. But um, to kind of wrap up the story section, 
uh, this is not a game with like a super strong moment to moment narrative and like strong, I mean, as in like in your face as the player, you're not finding out new things about the story. Maybe even every time you sit down to play, you, you might play for three hours and not really get any plot. That's not really what the game is about. There is, I think, a pretty clear story, but you will, you won't find it out for a while. A lot of what's going on uh, is either indirectly told, it's optional, it's missable. Um, I missed a lot of story stuff because I fucked up some quest that I was trying to do. Um, a lot of it is like environmental storytelling, story flavor, world building, stuff like that uh, along the way. Yeah, I didn't have a good idea of the story at all coming out of it, even. Um, mm. I ended up looking a lot of things up after just to see what other people thought. It gives you very, very little. There are ways to get uh, lore nuggets mm-hmm. in the game, I know. Um, I uh, I didn't do any of that. So I basically, <laughs> you know, I had the, the really bare bones narrative experience. Yeah, it, it's tough. Like, there are ways to, I'm trying to tiptoe around like what you discover, but there are ways to get very direct story in the game, but they're very hard to accomplish those things to find that, if that makes sense. Like there are quests to do to get that story, but those quests are like from software levels of obtuse to figure out how the fuck to do them. And I messed up everything involved with it. So I, uh, one time I messed it up and I purposely died and reloaded so I can try again, but there was other stuff that was like, I thought I was doing it correctly and I wasn't, and it was just way too late to try again. So I just moved on and finished the game. Yeah. And it's also just a trek. I mean, doing anything that isn't optional feels like so much in this game because even just getting through a single area a single room it's like a a gargantuan task sometimes yeah there's i I can't really think of another game where uh maybe let's say i had an idea of something that might help me figure out like some story stuff or like any reason i guess to go across the entire map Mm -hmm. i can't think of another game where i felt more discouraged from doing (laughs) that than rain world (laughs) yeah agreed So uh, we're going to put a pin in the story for now. We'll have some things to talk about in the spoilers section. Uh, So let's listen to a little bit of gameplay music from Rain World, some of that, you know, high tension music. And when we come back, we'll just go straight into gameplay. So the gameplay discussion about Rain World is obviously going to focus on the survivor, the uh, the f- character that Soccer and I both played. Uh, the other Slugcats have different play styles, but I, I didn't play as them, so I don't really want to talk about them with any you know level of expertise. Uh, so gameplay in Rain World is mostly 2D platforming. Um, the goal of each kind of cycle, as they call it, each day, 
is to collect food and find a safe place to wait out the rain that comes at the end of each day. And um, when we say like wait out the rain, we we don't mean like, oh, go inside because slug cattle get wet and get cold. No, the rain in Rain World is no joke. And it is, uh, I mean, you you have to experience, you will experience it for yourself. It, it is something to behold, but also get the fuck inside. Yeah, get out of the rain. Yeah. <laughs> Along the way, when you're trying to collect the food and find a new place to sleep, um, you're going to be spending a lot of your time either finding food or avoiding predators. Mm. The key thing about this setup in Rain World is that this world is simulated, but not like simulated in the way that a lot of other video games are. The levels and the layouts the order of the levels. That's all handcrafted, set up. It will be the same every time you play it. It's not procedurally generated levels. What is simulated are the animals that populate the levels. So they all have their own behavior patterns that are programmed in. They have their own interactions with other animals. And the developers just kind of place them around the map and then they just kind of let them go. And so... What's interesting is that things are happening around the world, regardless of what you are doing as the player. So let's say you're in a room, it's empty, you go into the next room, there might be an animal in there. Uh, It might be hiding in wait, trying to find food, it might just be walking across the level, it might encounter another animal, and it will have behaviors programmed for how it reacts to that other animal. Does it try to eat it? Does it try to run away? How does this all work? And there are lots of different animals and there are lots of different like subtypes of each animal that have slightly different behaviors. And it really feels like a living environment that you are traversing through, which makes it sometimes uh, all the more difficult and frustrating and defeating because there's not a whole lot you can do about the like the layouts of the enemies and stuff like that. Yeah, they also spawn randomly every cycle. so. Mm-hmm. You never know where anything's going to be. I think it's also difficult to know how things behave. A lot of this is still so obscure to me. I know that there are there are places online where people have done really in-depth analysis of the uh, the creature AI in Rain mm-hmm. World, um, but I, uh, I I don't understand. I, I mean, I, I played through the game twice. I still don't understand why some animals sometimes have a beef with me and sometimes don't uh <laughs> some animals i i would occasionally walk into a room with something in it that uh would consistently kill me mm-hmm. and for some reason it's just it just can't be bothered even though i'm like spawning right next to it or something and it's just walking away maybe it ate something else it's it's uh it's not uh it's not clear. It's unknowable. And I think it yeah. it emulates nature really well in that way. It's just, you don't know. It's not predictable. Yeah, it, it's it's unpredictable in that way. And it's also just sometimes because they are random to a degree and they, they do kind of act on their own, you can do little things to like distract them or something like that. But it's 
let's just say I walk out of my front door and there's like a bear in my driveway. Like I can try to do something to, you know, <laughs> scare a bear away or some, whatever the fuck they teach you to. Do. I live in Ohio. We don't have bears. So, um, <laughs> like, I don't know, you see a black bear, they tell you to yell and scream and bang on pots and pans so you can get in your car or something like that. But like, you don't know how that bear is going to react. And rain world kind of feels the same way. Like I can pick up a rock and throw it and hope that the noise distracts the enemy that didn't know I was there, but it might not. It might just be like, oh, I heard someone walking around up there. I'm going to go check that out instead. Uh, So I think it's that like unknowable nature combined with the random and simulated environment. That together creates a lot of situations uh, and a lot of deaths for the player that are just unfair. And I I think that this is a really rare thing in in a video game where uh, the scales, at least like if they're they're secretly tipped in the player's favor, they did a really good job of hiding it because this is (laughs) the game that I think feels the most indifferent to whether the player succeeds or fails. I would be surprised. Uh, I mean, you know, clearly some of the rooms, like they have to design the room in such a way that there has to be some way through it. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, it's hard for me to imagine. I, I can't think of anything that the game ever gave me, uh, made me work for every little scrap just to walk 10 feet. Yeah. I, I think that like, there are some rooms that I think that enemies are not supposed to spawn into, but they can follow you into those rooms. Uh, there, there are some like calm rooms, like the, the rooms that have like the gates between the big levels. Oh, yeah. There's, there's not going to be like a, a crocodile thing in those rooms waiting for you. But if one's chasing you, it can follow you in there, I suppose. Yeah. So the, the big thing here, the big question is, since this is kind of unfair and there's a lot of deaths where you're just like, there's nothing I could have done absolutely nothing I could have done to avoid that. And this is what we would, you know, in a lot of games, we'd just be like, this is fucking bullshit. Like I have, they have to give me some way to overcome this. Rain World says, no, we don't have to give you a way to overcome this. The way to overcome this is to try again. Um, So (laughs) how do you feel about this after two full playthroughs? Oh man. Uh, you know, I wanted to say that um, I'm actually really glad that you gave me an excuse to replay this game uh, for mm-hmm. a couple of reasons, uh, and and some of those I'll get into in the spoiler section. But um, first and foremost, uh, I forgot how much I hate this game. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do love it. It's an incredible one of a kind experience, and I yeah. absolutely recommend it. But also, I also hate it. I hate yeah. it. It's so mean. <laughs> I think the more distance you get from it, the rosier the ro- rose-colored glasses get because mm-hmm. all of the rage headaches fade and it just seems funny in retrospect and you've got clips of you dying in unpredictable and terrible ways. But it, when you're playing it, it's just it's infuriating. Like the you were describing earlier, sometimes you'll be in a room and there's just one way forward and there's just something waiting there at the exit Yep. Not moving, mm-hmm. ready to kill you. And uh you can go you can do attempt after attempt. Like with the with the bear, you know, uh, the game forces you 
to try and throw a rock and <laughs> see if you can get it to react. And then you've got to react in just the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually you have to take a risk, but um, you can really be hitting your head against the wall. Uh, attempt after attempt, just trying to get, just trying to get through one thing or waiting for a, a fortuitous uh, spawn. It definitely plays out that way. Yeah. There's like you said, so many times when uh, let's, I remember distinctly at least two times when like I'm just running and I like, I have a feeling like there hasn't been a safe room in a while. There's probably one nearby (laughs) and the rain will be here in like 30 seconds. And I'm just making a mad dash and I see the, the safe room icon in one of the exits to the room. And there's just one of those fucking lizards just sitting right in front of it. And I can't, I can't get past it. Like there's no way to get past it and you just die. There's nothing you can do. And, uh, we're laughing about it now. And this is a game where like, uh, I, I was playing it. It's easy to laugh. So like I was playing it, I clipped some stuff. Um, I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. I sent it to moon and other people I know that played rain world and everyone had the same reaction. They're just like LMAO. Yeah, that that's about right. That's what happens. (laughs) Uh, so like, I feel like, overcoming it gives you that um like that kind of secondhand uh sympathy for other people that are doing it for the first time because like let, let's we're, we're talking about how difficult it is and how unfair it is but i beat the game you beat the game two times like it's not impossible by any means but it is just a game that sometimes shit is just not going to work out for you and you can either turn it off and never play again or you can keep trying. But I think that like that persistence and learning a little bit each time about maybe try a new maneuver, um, maybe try a different way around, like different rooms to try. Experimentation is rewarded in a, in a way that I think is, you know, contributes to that feeling. Like when you do make that progress and get to that next safe room, you, you sit back in your chair, you let out a deep breath and you go, all right, I did it. It's time to press forward again. There is a way around. I think that is worth noting. Um, there almost always is another way. Sometimes it's uh, way too far to bother, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be more trouble than it's worth. But uh, the game is truly open. There was one part. Uh, another reason I was really glad to replay the game is I think I played it wrong the first time. Okay. Uh, some of that is a uh, spoiler, but I kind of just ran through the environment and didn't really try things out. Didn't really explore very much on my first playthrough. And uh, when I ran into a wall, I would, uh, if it seemed like too much, I would turn around and I would try going another way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that paid off. I was able to circumnavigate a lot of things that um, I think you're kind of supposed to do, which almost detracted from my sense of accomplishment at the end. <laughs> but um, there's always a way. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes it feels like it's a lot of luck and you definitely have to take risks. But well, yeah, a that's out. a good point. Like you're going to have a lot of shit luck in Rain World, but you're also going to get lucky a lot of times. Like uh, there were plenty of times when like, let's let's say that same situation the rain is coming i'm kind of in a desperate scramble to find somewhere safe to to wait out the rain and instead of there being one of those lizards 
there's two of them, but they're fighting each other. So they're not paying attention to me. So I can just kind of run past them unbothered because they're too busy fighting with each other. And this is all, again, this is simulated behavior on the part of these animals in their, their AI code that if they see each other, then they're going to fight over territory or whatever the hell they're fighting about. But that means that I can just run past them unbothered. And those moments, there are enough of those moments that like you do get good luck to offset some of the bad luck that you get. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about like this game's version of that like insurmountable challenge because there are some areas in Rain World that are so so difficult. Like the the last couple of levels are two of the hardest levels I've ever completed in any video game hmm. and it took every ounce of strategy that I had every bit of like things that I've learned about the game and its systems And also it took just some dumb luck to get through it. And I was thinking about this game's version of that, you know, challenge that you beat your head up against. There's so many games that do this with boss fights. Like they'll throw up like a really hard boss fight and you're going to fight it like 25 times. And then when you beat it, you're going to have that that moment of uh, relief and also the thrill of victory and all of that. But I had that kind of feeling. What's that? Ideally. Yeah, ideally. <laughs> think, yeah. Yeah. It depends. Sometimes yeah. I've gotten through a really brutal gauntlet and felt more bitter than victorious, but Yeah. In, in the wrong game and if they if they lay it on, you know, too much, you can come out of that being like, you know what, fuck this. I hate this game. I I, I don't I don't feel good about that. I just feel like, okay, finally I can live again, you know. Yeah. Um but I had that intended feeling of relief and joy and uh exhilaration like really often in rain world and sometimes it was just like i've died five times in this one room and i made it through that room and now i'm in the next room and who knows what's in the next room but i made it through that first room yeah absolutely and uh i I mean there's always going to be things thrown up in your way but i think it is possible to get a little more consistent um oh yeah you can kind of learn a way to get through a room like a good 80% of the time, maybe, you know, um, one that's really dangerous and, uh, it's, it's not as bad as when you first encountered it. Yeah. And you also like gain more and more mastery over how the slug cat moves oh, uh, yeah. as you play. Um, cause it is a pretty unique movement system. This, it doesn't feel like any other platformer I've played. Uh, so once you really get to terms with that, you can really start pulling off some good uh, good maneuvers. And I, on my streams, I had a couple of really good moments where I was kind of yakety-saxing these, uh, these predator animals around, yeah. you know, jumping over their heads and Juke feeling em. good, juking them out. Yeah. Um, you can get moments like that. But like, I, I think this is a game that unless you are like a, a speed runner, mm-hmm. you're always going to get humbled at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, humbled. That's, yeah, that's almost too mild a word for it. (laughs) But I agree. 
after I beat the game, I started a new playthrough on my Steam Deck because I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go the hard way and try and beat the game real fast so I can play Downpour. And I was doing pretty well. Like I made it pretty deep and I was having one of those runs where I was like, I'm a fucking master at this. I'm juking out these lizards. I'm climbing, I'm jumping, I'm wall jumping. And I see the safe room and I, I jump and I grab onto a pole right in front of the safe room to make a quick, you know, double thing. And it was one of those fake pole monsters and it just fucking ate me. And I was like, that's what I get. My hubris. (laughs) It got me again. Oh man. See, I, I almost didn't want to talk about the pole mimics because it feels almost spoilery. Because well, uh, it's a it's a special thing encountering a pole mimic for the very first time. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, someone playing Rain World for the first time, even if you know that they exist, you're not going to know what they look like until they get True. you for the first time. So, <laughs> I think it's a game that creates a lot of uh, anecdotes like that, like you know, close escapes or brutal deaths. Um, I'm thinking about one time when like. I had just made like a really incredible escape from a couple of lizards that were chasing me around. And I really like gave them the run around and I finally got onto a place above where they could reach because they can't climb mm. and a bird just fucking came out of the air and <laughs> snatched me up and ate me. No. Uh, I, I have to resist the urge every time somebody describes or shows me a death in rain world to just say, ah, classic. Yep. <laughs> That's how it feels. That is how it like feels. We all know exactly how that feels. But because because everyone has moments like that, when you do score those victories or when you just get to like kind of a transitional area between levels that are like they're obviously calmer, they don't have predators that spawn in there or there's some really nice vistas that you come out and see in this oh, yeah. game. When you get those moments, they are hard earned they feel deserved they feel great yeah and that uh those are definitely the rare moments of of serenity that you feel yeah you're just ah i'm out look at this vista look at this and i get to enjoy this for about 20 seconds and i know the next screen i go on to is going to have some <laughs> bullshit that i'm going to have to deal with no it'll be fine uh let's let's talk a little bit about like the mechanical stuff when you're playing Rain World here. Yeah. You are mainly driven by again finding food and finding safe places to sleep. So your hunger gauge if you're playing as the survivor has seven little pips on it. Most of the food you find will fill one of those little pips. Uh the slug cat's eating animation is incredibly cute. I love it so much. Adorable. <laughs> The survivor needs to eat four things to successfully rest and to save the game. That's the only way to save the game is to go to sleep with a full stomach, Mm -hmm. we'll say. Um, The monk only needs to eat three out of five little pips. This is one of the ways that the monk is kind of easy mode. I think that they wrote that monsters are slightly less aggressive toward the monk Although I played a little bit as the monk, they still want you, so it's it's not like they're indifferent to you. Um, Did you notice any difference at all? Uh, I, mean, I am curious maybe, about it. Maybe that's why I was doing a little bit better. Uh, maybe that's why I was, you know, making quick progress. But I still had stuff chasing me. Basically, everything that saw me was chasing me. So mm-hmm. not a huge difference there. Um, 
How do you generally feel about like hunger and survival meters in games? Meters. You know, I'm not, I have very limited experience with survival games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how often a meter comes into it. Uh, but like game games where, uh, survival is the main focus. I haven't played a lot of them. Uh, even something as relatively simple as Minecraft gives me a lot of trouble. I haven't survived more than a day in Minecraft. Okay. Uh, which seems pathetic to say out loud. But one of the things I think sets Rain World apart is it has very distinct checkpoints. Yeah. Um, even if they don't offer a ton of sanctuary, uh, it gives you it gives you an objective. It gives you a sense of progress. But as far as hunger systems hunger systems go, I I mean I guess I can't really. I don't know if I can think of a direct analog. Uh, I mean, I would argue that most games have resource management of some kind, uh, even something like a health bar or a stamina bar, I think count as mm-hmm. resources that you have to manage. If this game were just about moving from checkpoint to checkpoint and avoiding predators and you didn't have to eat at all, I think you would be a lot less incentivized to take risks or to test out the environment. Yeah. Um, you'd just kind of, you just kind of turn tail and run. And and you would lose the uh, the risk reward that you get from seeking out food. Right. There are a lot of situations where um, maybe you're in a room that has a bunch of food, but there's also a predator animal in that room. So you're just constantly gauging the risk of like, okay, well, I can go try and catch some of those flies, but if I jump around and make a bunch of noise, that thing might hear me and come up and, and try and grab me. Or like you're making a mad dash away and you just happen to jump by some of those like fruit and you're just like, okay, well I'm just going to grab a fruit on the way. And when I find, <laughs> you know, a moment I'll, I'll eat or something. <laughs> uh, relatable. Yeah. Yeah. True. So did the, uh, it sounds like the hunker system, I would assume caused you some frustrations sometimes, but overall you think it benefits the game. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the, um, the hunger system by itself, I don't think I have any uh, any trouble with, really. I, I don't think I got frustration directly from needing to find out food. You know, the time limit definitely adds some pressure. But, you know, the worst thing that happens is, you know, you die and you, you go back to where you were and you give it another shot. I think right. that I think it's really the karma system that um, that adds the pressure. Yeah. So. Going to bed with a full stomach will raise your karma by one point, and dying will lower your karma by one point. And this is important because there are some gates throughout the game where you need to be at a certain karma level to pass through, basically to make progress th- through the game. Um, this sometimes, sometimes I was just doing great with karma, like I had more than enough food. Karma was at maximum. Life was good. And there were some times when things were bad. Karma was at the absolute minimum. And this, this was the thing that like, there were some times when I was frustrated by the karma, but you can never drop too far below what I felt like was a manageable situation. I thought like you can bottom out for sure, yeah. but it's never like they won't just let you keep going forever. You know, there's a lower limit. Right. To Once you get karma. to the bottom, you're at the bottom. Yeah. You don't have to worry about surviving more than you die, which is, right. I guess, a small blessing. 
yes, because uh, yeah, you you will die more times than you rest in this game. <laughs> Spoiler alert: you will die. Yeah, if you uh, if you don't eat enough, you can still go into a safe room and sleep, but you will not get proper rest, uh, and the game won't save. Mm-hmm. And uh, the slug cat will go into starvation mode where you'll be really sluggish moving. And in order to rest, you'll have to completely fill your hunger gauge, which is difficult to do in a lot of places. So this felt like a, well, fuck it. We'll see if we can get out of this, but I'm not going to assume that this is going to work out type of thing. Uh, Yeah. Throughout both of my playthroughs, I could never figure, I guess it didn't occur to me that, um, it was a way to to sort of save your karma. I never did the starvation thing because mm. I I couldn't see the point of it. I was like, well, it doesn't save your game, so I mean, like you'll just go back to where you were before that. But uh, my friend, uh, shout out to Andrew, uh, he pointed out to me that the uh, the main advantage is is the bump to your karma. It's a way of locking in your karma. Um, I can think of a point where it might have been advantageous. When there was a gate that I needed a certain amount of karma for, mm-hmm. um, if I had forced a hibernate right before that to get into the starvation state and just done that every time I went through, it would be a way of like saving my karma and not having to go and try and find food before I give it another go. Um, I never did that. might have been useful, though. Yeah, there were a couple times when I was able to like make it back, fill up the hunger gauge, go rest again, and uh, all was well. And there were a couple times when I did it, and like the slug cat like gets super sluggish and like can't can barely jump, and sometimes can barely walk, and like shit just comes and eats you because you can't run away. Uh, so sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Probably more often uh, not than uh, when it does work out. But hey, that's Rain World for you, baby. <laughs> um, uh, the movement, it, like we we mentioned, is a little bit uh, different. The slug cat can do a couple of different types of walks. You can walk on all fours. That's kind of slower and I presume a little bit quieter. Uh, or you can stand upright and run. Um, I heard an anecdote uh, from the developer that they wanted to create a platforming game where you didn't walk on two two feet, basically, like every human character. Uh, So there we go. We got that. Um, The slug cat can jump. It can wall jump. It can climb up and down poles. It can do a balance beam type walk on top of poles. Uh, Again, another super cute animation when you do the balancing. Just adorable all the time. Yeah. All the animations are just really great. Balancing, eating, um, squeezing through little tunnels. It's, It's just super well animated for a pixel art game you know mm, yeah yeah i it somehow manages to feel very alive yeah. um which i think is a, a part of what's so striking about it is um it's pixelated but it 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 doesn't feel uh digital i guess yeah another one of those cute animations is your other kind of special move that you can do where if you are crouched on all fours and you hold down the jump button, the slug cat will like prepare to do a long jump and he'll like stick his little butt up in the air. And then if, when you let go of the button, he'll do the long jump. And this felt essential to master, like you will master it, but it's difficult to get the hang of at the beginning, or at least it was for me. And then putting all of these pieces together, 
there's a little bit of jank to the movement. I feel like where sometimes it was like, I hit that wall jump. Why didn't he wall jump? You know, there was some stuff like that, but it does feel very masterable after that. An interesting thing about the movement is that uh, it feels inconsistent when you first start out, but I think it's actually that the inputs are just really precise. Slugcat's Mm. movements are are consistent, but the game is just like really exacting about your inputs. Like if you if you fall from a particular height and you're holding a particular directional input, you might just roll off an edge. And it's Mm -hmm. it's trial and error. The game gives you just the basics. It's like here's how you jump, you know. Here's how you climb. Mm -hmm. But there are all these other kind of hidden mechanics. Uh, which I still don't know. It, it's consistent though, if if you can figure it out. Yeah, there are some there like the movement set that we've described. You know, a couple types of um, running, jump, wall jump, climbing, squeezing through tunnels, and doing that standing long jump is mm. pretty simple. It's it's it doesn't take you long to remember all of the tools in your tool set, but. This game is full of hidden things, hidden ways that things interact with each other. There are a bunch of items around the world. Uh, A lot of them you can pick up and throw. There's spears, there's rocks, there's uh, all kinds of stuff. There's miscellaneous, you know, trash that you can pick up. Um, Aside from spears, there's no real weapons in the game. Uh, There's a couple, but they're very situational. Yeah. Like there's, there's one I'm thinking of that you you pick up and you throw it and it makes a fuck ton of noise. So (laughs) like you might take care of the one thing you throw that at, but everything else nearby is going to know you're there. It's going to come eat you. So good luck. Um, yeah. Other than spears, you don't really have weapons and spears themselves are not that powerful unless you're playing as one of the different characters. I think that are like spear based. Maybe the hunter has better spears. Mm-hmm. Or the hunter can craft spears or something like that. Gosh, yeah, I don't know. It, I think I heard something like that, yeah. Yeah, but the point being, like, there are weapons around, but I think a basic enemy, like the the lizards, might take, like, three spears to kill, but you're never going to find three spears in the same place. So it's not, it's effectively not a killing weapon. It's a distraction. If you can, yeah, it's much better as a distraction. If you can pull your spear out of the lizard, before it gets you, uh, you can get another shot at it. I have seen people take out really, uh, really buff lizards. Damn, by I didn't just even know you could the pull spirit. them back out. Yeah, yeah. And I actually got a chance to play this game uh, co-op recently because my friend oh. got the downpour DLC and nice. um, changes the game dramatically. Because if you've got each other's <laughs> backs, I mean, you can you can just keep pulling that one spear out and take out a lot of things. Nice. Okay. And so that's a good example of like, there are a bunch of mechanics like that. The game will never tell you, you can go pull a spear out of an enemy. Yeah. And there are so many more examples of things the game will never tell you. But if you experiment, if you, you know, take note of what works and what doesn't, there is a lot of stuff that can help you. You just have to figure it out first. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. You re- I mean, you have to play around. It's a little yeah. playground. So you might be tempted to like, I don't know, you, you, you pick up an item, you try to throw it at an enemy. It doesn't do anything. So you're like, okay, well, that's just 
trash, it doesn't help. Well, there there might be lots of other different applications for that thing if you keep trying, basically. Yeah. Um, spears are not just used as weapons. There is a really, really crucial... Well, the game teaches you, so I don't really feel bad about yeah. like saying this, but you can throw spears into walls to create things to climb on to help you you know, reach new areas. So that's just an example. There's so many more of these. I think we can talk a little bit in the spoiler section about some of the stuff we discovered, Mm -hmm. but this is a game that's like much deeper than meets the eye as far as the mechanics and the items and stuff go too, which is on top of like the very deep and meaningful experience of just making it through the world finding out these discoveries along the way that then help you make that progress. That's like chef kiss video game shit. (laughs) Was there anything else about the uh, gameplay that you thought noteworthy to mention? Um, and I saw that you had, uh, in your notes, uh, that there is no fall damage. Uh, you didn't bring it up. Um, I discovered because I'm awesome, that there is a certain height where there's fall damage. (laughs) There aren't very many places where you can fall far enough to die. I think you have to fall like three full screens and land on the ground. (laughs) But both playthroughs, I managed it at least once. Okay, fair enough. But in general, you can survive a fall. So a lot of times it um, it is advantageous to just like if you know there's ground below, just jump off an edge to get away from something. Yeah, that for sure was one of my uh, survival strategies, is if something is following me uh, close to an edge, just jump. Uh, you know, maybe you can survive that fall, maybe the enemy can't. One way to find out. So we've kind of touched on uh, some of this stuff here and there, but we can talk about how this game looks and sounds uh, to wrap up this non-spoiler part. Um, I mentioned it is pixel art, 2D pixel art, uh, with a very strong like nature reclaiming industrial areas uh, aesthetic. A lot of the places that you're going in are, um, you know, old factories and sewer systems and stuff like that. Uh, Again, that that kind of recreation of that rat in the subway tunnels uh, thing, which I I think was, once I read that, I was like, oh man, that's great. They they really had that. The animations we talked about, but again, they're just fantastic across the board. Um, Mostly from the slug cats, but the the enemies are all great too. They're all very readable. I think part of it is like uh, a lot of the enemies, their heads, especially the lizards, their heads are kind of like they have like this bioluminescent look to them uh, that really makes them stick out uh, when they want to be seen, we'll say. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, all those animations of the slug cat balancing and climbing and squeezing through little burrows. You can go into a burrow backwards and then you can press your button and he'll like he'll like wiggle around and then write himself and start going, you know, front way forward. And it's like the cutest little animation. It's so good. Uh, you know, that's another thing. Oh, gosh, it's embarrassing. That's a, just another thing I didn't figure out on my first playthrough is that you could turn around. So yeah. whenever I was desperately getting away from an enemy, I would enter a, a little narrow passageway, butt first, and I would just have to go 
wiggle backwards the whole thing, which <laughs> is not be fair, which you can do. It's only a little slower. Yeah. And to be fair, that wiggling backwards, but first is very cute as an animation. Um, yeah. The, Everything uh, he does. Everything yeah. he does. And I think I figured out that you could turn around in the tunnels at like hour 15 at the earliest, you know, I had gone through hundreds of tunnels before then. So, um, if you're playing with a controller, uh, the game signals when the, uh, day cycle is coming to an end with like this slowly increasing vibration, um, to signal that the rain is coming. And first it's like, it's a vibration that could be anything almost. And then it gets stronger and stronger. And then when the rain finally comes, it is this, it's, it's this intense controller vibration, this thunderous sound, the visual of the rain coming is, uh, the first time I saw it, my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe what the rain was in this game. It's overwhelming. Yeah. You know, it's like, it is like a heavy rain, but somehow they've managed to make it feel much more intense from, uh, from like the perspective of a little helpless animal. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. Think of like the strongest rain that you've ever experienced in your life. And then imagine that you are 10 times smaller than you are, you know, (laughs) um, the music in rain world to kind of like wrap this non-spoiler part up here, kind of saving one of the best qualities for last, uh, the music has kind of transcended the game. There are a lot of people I know who have never played Rain World, have no plans to play it, but they're like, I love this soundtrack. I listen to it when I work. Uh, it's it's a really beautiful soundtrack. But you mentioned earlier at the earlier in the show mm-hmm. that a lot of the times there is no music, and a lot of the times it is it's one of those quiet, solitary games. And I really love it when games do this. And then use music to punctuate moments or situations. And this game nails that. Um, yeah, it's a quiet game. Even in moments of danger, it's just... Uh, which is more realistic. A lot of times, predators in uh, media, they, they're like roaring as they attack you. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not really how it works. Predators are quiet. They're sneaking up on you. They're watching you. Yeah. Um. And this game is is much more like that. It's just quiet and tense, but um, sometimes also just peaceful. Yeah. There are moments when like there is a, a song that plays that signifies that um, you're in danger. Sometimes it kicks in before you can see the enemies and you're like, oh shit, oh <laughs> shit, where is it? Where is it? Um, that's the so only that's, warning you get. Yeah. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. Um, but I, I love that song and I came out of this, like, I'm, I don't have a lot of words to describe what the music sounds like. It's really atmospheric. I think a lot of times, um, sometimes it's kind of driving like electronic music, but a lot of times it is very just atmospheric and evocative type. Uh, yeah, you've heard it throughout this episode. So hopefully those little sound clips that I, I put in here uh, do better than my words do, but it is a, it perfectly fits this game and it's very pleasant to listen to. It's a nice soundtrack. I agree. Uh, the music is always very short lived. Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably go listen to the soundtrack. It's, 
it, music was always welcome when it appeared in the game, but you know, two minutes would pass and then it'd be gone. And I don't, I don't know if the game ever plays. It's not, it's not a game where you are in an area and you hear that area's music. Right. It's right. like, um, you, you might get to a certain point in the game and you, you get a little song associated with that part mm-hmm. and then it's gone. And I, I don't know if you even ever hear it again. Yeah. I, I did take a look at the soundtrack. It's one of those soundtracks that has like, this is an exaggeration, but like 345 second songs, you know, so that <laughs> definitely fits with what you just said. That sounds right. So uh, let us wrap up this non-spoiler section by kind of just giving some closing thoughts here and then uh, answer the question, which is a, a great question for this game. Who would you recommend Rain World to? Oh, man. First and foremost, uh, masochists, uh, definitely. <laughs> I would honestly recommend it to, to just about anybody who, um, who likes the look of it. Um, but I would say that it's important to go in with the right expectations. Uh, I, I would say going into this game and trying to have an experience mm-hmm. versus uh, versus trying to get to a destination is probably going to have a much better result than if you're uh, trying to gun for the end. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that this this is a game that requires a certain mindset and like you said, adjusting of expectations. Uh, there might be times, especially if you play in shorter chunks, uh, there might be times, there were times for me where I played for an hour and did not make any discernible progress. It was just deaths and getting lost and stuff like that. And then there were a lot of times when I played and I I had all these beautiful moments that made my jaw drop. And there are things that I'll never forget. And those, now that I'm finished, outweigh the parts when I was frustrated. There were parts when I was frustrated, and I'll talk about them in the spoiler section. There was one time I was playing and I had to shut my stream down because I was just so helplessly lost. And I was like, I don't think people want to watch this and I don't want to stream this right now. So I was like, look, everyone, I'm going to look in a guide to give me a direction to go in. And I'm just turning this off now and I'll see you next time. So it, it does take a certain acceptance that like you will have play sessions like that you will have times when you're really close to making progress and something entirely out of your control happens and you die and you lose your progress. There will be things like that. But I think that I think that people have that adjusting of expectations in them. And so for that reason, I think that especially if you get this game on PS Plus or like you got it on Amazon for free or if it ever goes on Game Pass or something, like this is a no-brainer like, try this because if it connects with you, it will really connect with you. There are just as many people who tried Rain World and bounced off of it because they just couldn't get down with what it was doing as there are people like me who now I'm going to be that person where like if I ever see somebody is like, does anyone in here have any experience playing Rain World? Anyone recommend Rain World? I'm going to jump at the (laughs) chance to talk about it every time. Like this is one of those games that has become a small but slightly significant part of my like personality as someone who likes video <laughs> games, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, people do bounce off this game, particularly yeah. people who uh, review video games professionally, apparently. That, man, I I have to empathize with someone who, like, has a deadline to beat Rain World. Uh, yeah. That's got to be rough. Like, this was one I, I had heard enough from you and from Moon and Joe that when I scheduled it for the podcast, it was one of those where I was like, I'm going to beat this and then I will reach out to people about scheduling a date for recording. I am not going to say, okay, I have two weeks to beat Rain World. I'm not going to do that. And you should not either, listeners. Do not do that. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, But man, I I have like, despite all the unfair stuff, I have almost like my final opinions of this is that this is a just a a beautiful game and a, a real one of one, something I really appreciate. I've never played any other game that... I can compare to Rain World. Like mm-hmm. I play so many games and there's so many where I can be like, oh yeah, this this game, it reminds me of these three games put together. Or like this game was clearly inspired by this other game. And with Rain World, I'm just like, I don't know. I can't make any direct comparisons here. There's nothing like it. Yeah, it's so hard. I, um, I was actually trying to think of anything I could compare this to uh, when uh, you asked me to join you. I I can't. I really can't. There's nothing like Rain World. Um, it's an experience. The only other game I could think of that like slightly approaches this is that game Tokyo Jungle for the PS3, if you ever played that. No, I haven't. It's it's another survival game where you play as animals on like the post-apocalyptic streets of Tokyo. But that game is like super arcadey. Um part of your mission is to like find food and survive, but also to find a mate and have children. And then you're, if you die, you play as the offspring and you play as a Pomeranian that eventually rules the streets of Tokyo. It's a real <laughs> weird game. Um, so like superficially comparable to rain world, but yeah. in the experience, it's totally different. Yeah. You can see the elements of it. Yeah. Based on your description. Yeah. So um, that is, going to wrap up the non-spoiler part here we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll do spoilers so um i forgot to ask you before we started do you have anything that you <laughs> want to point people toward anywhere oh boy i i have absolutely nothing to plug i mean i'm on i'm on blue sky i guess you know say hi if, yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> i guess i'll just say you know leave twitter i know you can do it everyone out. out there listening i've got blue sky invite if you want it, just let me know. That's it. That's all I've got. It is a it is a better place for now. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, yeah, if uh, you would like to support Tales from the Backlog, it's the same kind of things at the end of every episode. If you'd like to uh, join the discussion, um, I would love to have a uh, a lot of Rain World discussion this week in the Discord server. So there's an invite link down in the show notes. You can join the Discord server come in and talk about rain world. I would love that. Uh, you can support the show by leaving ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and podcast addict. Those accept reviews. And that helps, uh, if people search rain world in their podcast app, it'll help them find this episode. So that would be greatly appreciated. And last but not least, if you would like to support monetarily, you can do so at patreoncom slash real Dave Jackson. Like I said, this game won a poll to be included on the show. And if you want to vote in future polls, you can do that over on Patreon. Oh, I also have another podcast called A Top 3 Podcast. We do top three lists. It is uh, a much different vibe from this show. 
uh, but I have a lot of fun doing it. I think you might have fun listening too. So Soccer and I are going to take a break, and when we come back, it's going to be full spoiler time for Rain World. Right, soccer and I are back and it is full spoiler time for Rain World and we're going to we're not going to like walk area by area this game you can go in lots of different orders through the areas so we're going to talk about some memorable experiences that we had some fun discoveries of how things uh, interact and stuff like that and then we will go through talking about meeting Moon meeting uh, Five Pebbles and then the ending and the story that we take from that kind of stuff. But uh, I think that we can just open this up by having a preform. Uh, what is some memorable stuff that, that sticks out in your head after playing this? Could be little anecdotes of escape or death or discoveries that you made. What sticks out? Oh, man. Well, so I told you that I played this game wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's start there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I there were... So my first playthrough, most of the fun discoveries were just, you know, all the new and interesting things that could kill me uh, and the ways mm-hmm. that they would kill me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, like, I have no idea what is going on with that giant creature swimming in the waters of the shoreline, but it oh, chills yeah, like me to my core. The fucking mecha crocodile monster. Yeah. And you pass like eight of its corpses just sticking up out of the water but there's one just still around uh, dude and that part to get from like the one area to like the next place you're trying to go you have to swim like eight screens and you're just helpless in <laughs> yeah. the water there and that's yeah. one of those moments where if that thing is in the water like if you just go to the next screen and it's fucking there you're just like well, I'm dead. I, <laughs> yeah, or I'm dead. <laughs> or just turn around and cross your fingers. Um, yep. <laughs> I, you know, I had a lot of times where uh, where it seemed distracted by something, though, too, and I managed to get around it. But uh, when I say I played this game wrong, like I missed an incredible amount of things. Uh, okay. So I never learned how to use the sticky hookshot worms. Oh man! I went through the whole game. Without that, or without learning uh, that that you could grab those those bugs to help you float and jump higher, so all of these movement mechanics that let you ascend a little more easily, I just mm-hmm. I never discovered because my instinct was just to that's going to kill me. I'm not <laughs> going to touch it. I'm not going to interact with it at all. I'm just going to run and. I will tell you, it is not easy to get through this game <laughs> without <laughs> without those things. Because I, I mean, I got to the. I told you that um, I circumnavigated like essential parts uh, when I got to the Sky Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, I I uh, I turned around because I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm just 
hitting a wall. I tried maybe like 20 times and then I just turned around and I found a way down and all the way to the end of the game somehow without ever entering the farm arrays, without ever encountering the deer. I have no idea how I did this. I think based on your notes, maybe that maybe that was a way that you eventually ended up going. I'm, I wasn't totally sure based on what you wrote because uh, it sounded like you couldn't make the deer work. And yeah. So I uh, I missed so much. And the second playthrough, I was like, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do everything correctly, like mm-hmm. intended, big quotation marks around intended. Like the way that, that the game kind of steers you. I wanted to actually try going that way. And to do that, I had to learn how to use things. Yeah. The other thing that it sounds like you didn't know was uh, those little squid that swim around you you can grab them and you can swim really fast uh, and so <laughs> I, now are those distinct from the squids that you can eat uh yes there's okay. th- there's like the grayish purple like jellyfish that you can eat and then there are the squid because you reminded me in that part with that that mecha crocodile monster yeah um there are those squid swimming around and for the longest time i was swimming through those sections is just praying like, please don't eat me. Yeah, exactly. But they never did. Yeah. And then eventually I, it was one of the underground parts. There was one in like this really small enclosed uh, bit of water. And I was in there too, and it kept bumping up against me and it never ate me. So eventually I was like, okay, this thing's not hostile. What happens if I grab it? And then when you grab it, it like shoots down a direction in the water and you can control it. And uh, I don't know how I would have progressed to, because there's two ways to get into the final couple areas. And I went the way with all the water at the shoreline. So yeah. without the squid, I would have never made it through there. Um, This explains so much. about so much so much of the difficulty that i had in the Mm. water areas because i i mean i'm still i still don't know how i managed to get through certain areas whereas like to get a certain height or to to get through uh certain stretches of water i was cutting it close with with the oxygen like there's no oxygen meter but you know i died enough to know that i was close and the the swimming is janky too. Like yeah. it's it's not very precise, or at least it didn't feel that way. Yeah, there were a bunch of times when it was like, I'm trying to swim through this tunnel, and I need to surface to go up to get air, but I get stuck under something for some reason, and then I die. Yeah, that happened or, to me so much. Yeah, so the squid were a big help. Yeah, see, that makes me want to check it out again. I can't believe. <laughs> see, it's probably just a good standard rule that if something isn't trying to kill you you should maybe see if it does something yeah because uh i i don't know that there's anything in the game that just doesn't interact with you in any meaningful way but i kind of thought that's what that that squid was i was just like i don't know sometimes it kind of like bumped me downward in the water a tiny bit and Mm -hmm. i was like oh maybe it can drown you if you mess around i'm trying to think trying to just running through different animals in my head. Like, is there anything that is just can't be used for anything, but also doesn't want to eat you. And I can't really think of anything. 
I mean, yeah, it can't be used for anything. No, I don't think there is. I mean, there are things that have really specific uses, but everything is, everything does kind of have a purpose. Well, what do you know? They devs, the devs were on our side this whole time. Yeah. There's a lot. And like that, uh, that level with those little hookshot insects, um, like those, those larvae or whatever, that was one of the easiest parts for me. Cause I, once I figured out how that hookshot worked, I was like zipping around, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is, I'm, I'm like a master this. I've done this in other games before. So that really, that was really good. Yeah. Um, it's nice when you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I got real good with those spears and throwing them into walls. I will tell you. Oh yeah. I bet. So when you say you did things the wrong way, does that mean that from the beginning in the outskirts level, you went left and then down into like the drainage system? No, 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 no. I did. Uh, uh, oh, see, I'm going to save part of this discussion for uh, a topic you're going to bring up. Okay. Uh, specifically looks to the moon. Uh, okay. But um, no, I mean, I followed the I followed the guide as long as I could. Right, right. I forgot to bring him up. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a little guide. Well, yeah, people people can figure that out for themselves if they tapped out at the spoiler wall. They'll see him. He's there. Yeah. It's not always around, but it's yeah, that's up. true. Yeah. <laughs> I you know, asking if I ever got lost. I felt lost throughout this entire game. I mean, because <laughs> there wasn't any point. It's like the map system, if you open it up, like the way the areas connect to each other is so arcane and it doesn't it only shows you one area at a time. I never felt oriented. I was always like well, I'm just going to keep going in this general direction and and hope that I end up somewhere new. Um which worked out for the most part. Uh I I only got stuck once. Um, I got stuck in the shoreline, and in retrospect, I think we might guess why. Uh, right. But, well, I was in an area where I couldn't figure out how to go forward or back without dying. Um, there must have been a way out, but after like 10 cycles of being stuck, I ended up using a passage, you know, the fast travel, because yeah, I, yeah. I did have one, to just go back to a previous area, and then I just avoided going back to the shoreline as much as I could. I don't know. It. It's not a game where I I sure missed objective markers. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so I think that I I think I did pretty good for a while um, as far as knowing where to go. The overseer helps put you on the right path to find Moon, and then it points you to the direction that goes up to the Five Pebbles area, mm -hmm. um, and then it points you to go back down to the farm arrays and. You've actually gotten some explicit direction, like Five Pebbles tells you to go to the the farm arrays to the west. Yeah. So that helped uh, a little bit, but the map is kind of disorienting. Like it doesn't show the whole map on one screen. There's like half of it that's foregrounded and half of it that's in the background, and you have all these connections between them. And like I was always relatively clear on where I was in relation to like the immediate area and like, yeah, you get to memorize some screens and stuff, but there were plenty of times when, especially if the overseer is not there, I was just like, 
I'm just going to go in this direction. And if I find stuff that seems too hard, which in retrospect, that it's not that kind of game. It, everything's hard. <laughs> um, but like, I'm just going to go in this direction. Path. Yeah. And if I make progress, I will continue in that direction. And that worked out for most of the game, but definitely not all of it. So let's talk about Moon first, because it will tie into my uh, frustrating time later. So you found Moon naturally your first time then? I did, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for those listening, if you're listening and don't, um, haven't played, Moon is, uh, at first it looks like a little alien, but what it actually is, it it is a a body being puppeted by a robot, uh, like a robot arm. Um, and when you go in there, there are these little floating things around the air. They look an awful lot like food around moon. Did you eat them the first time you went there? Dave, uh, I killed looks to the moon the first time I got there. Yep. And, um, I didn't know what else to do. And I think that a lot of people uh, recognizing that this was a mistake, maybe died and then, um, you know, retried a cycle. Yep, that's what I did. Not me. I slept <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had to live with that guilt and a lot oh, of, no. and a few other consequences for the rest of the game. I think okay. uh, part of the reason that I got stuck and lost is because uh, I don't think, I don't think you have a guide anymore after you, if, if she's dead. Oh yeah, the overseer gets pissed, which is fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I got I got to looks to the moon. I think that's her full name, and um, I uh, I knew this is where I was supposed to be because it was a dead end, but I couldn't figure out how to interact with her. I hadn't I hadn't met Five Pebbles. I couldn't understand anything. Right. Uh, you know, so like she kind of when i entered she was just like oh and i was like okay that was a reaction but you know nothing there was no talking there were no instructions nothing seemed to be happening and then when i ate one of the neurons there was a reaction and i was like well maybe this is what i'm supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) um but i didn't realize she was going to die um i did inadvertently commit to that decision uh Mm. My friend who I mentioned earlier, I think, uh, ate like one or two. And then I think there's an achievement or something that's like stolen enlightenment. And he saw that and he was like, oh, and he just restarted the game. (laughs) Restarted the whole game. (laughs) Yeah, he was that guilty about it. Oh, man. So uh, I kind of screwed myself. I guess one of the advantages is um, you, uh, you you, you get that inner light early. Um, if you do that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, which we haven't talked about yet, but. Right. Um, so when I found Moon, I ate several of them. Maybe not all. Maybe all. I don't remember. But um, the Overseer got pissed and Moon died. So maybe it was all of them. And it was just the simple thing that uh, you have been hard-coded, just like a wild animal, that if you see food, you eat it. <laughs> Because you don't know when you're going to find food again. Yeah. Uh, so I ate it, and Moon died, and the overseer was pissed. Uh, so I let the rain kill me and restarted. Um, but like you, I was still like, okay, so I didn't kill Moon, 
but I don't know how to interact with it. It's not doing anything. I went and I picked up some of those shiny pebbles and I went over and brought them to Moon and dropped yeah. it. And Moon was, you know, not uh, impressed. So <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm leaving. I don't know if that was helpful or not, but at least Moon seemed happier about that. Um, but this puts you on this quest and the overseer will point you in the direction of more of those neurons around the world. And I thought I was following those. And I think I got them confused with, uh, you find these little robot hands or projectors or whatever they are. And they, they put out these little blue, um, like diamond collectibles, holograms, and you collect them. And it says like, you've unlocked a new item for the arena. And I was like, okay, I wonder if that's what moon wants. That's not what Moon wants, and I nope. think I went through the whole game without collecting a single neuron. Uh, I not think, for lack of searching. I just didn't find them. I think after you get the ability to communicate with her, if you take her any of the shiny rocks that you find around, then she will give you like a little bit of lore. Um, okay. I think is how it works. Um it's, I mean, you have to go really far to get some of them and to bring them back. So like, I, I did not do very much of that on my second playthrough because I was determined to talk to her a little bit, but, um, you, there are a few nearby and she'll give you like a little bit of history or a little bit of, um, flavor text, if nothing else. Okay. So I never found any of those. And after that, you get pointed to go up to this area called Five Pebbles. Um, this area is like just visually ridiculous after such a peaceful aesthetic for a lot of the game, you know, like it, it's it's nature reclaiming uh, industrial areas, like I've said several times. Um, and then you go into this just like kaleidoscope of colors and lights and um, especially the area right right when you're about to go in the room with five pebbles, it's like a, like a fucking rave in there. And that was like super, super memorable. And it was helpful for knowing that I was going the right way as that stuff got more and more intense. So did you, maybe I forget if you said this or not, did you meet five pebbles your first time or not? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I was under the impression that you needed to, in order to progress, or maybe he just tells you where to go. I guess I'm not, totally sure i thought you needed to because five pebbles gives you that light yeah um, that that lights up the surroundings but if you got the light earlier from eating all the neurons then i don't know if you would have to go there interesting but uh, doesn't he also give you extra karma maybe yeah you might need that well in any case i did i did meet five pebbles okay because i i think that there's i was talking with moon not moon in the game, our, our moon, mutual moon friend. Moon in real moon. life. Moon. Yeah, moon Moon IRL. And moon was telling me about this. The speedrunner uh, route is to go from the outskirts and go straight down into the drainage system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to do some weird shit like carrying some items or something, but you don't go meet five pebbles. You don't go all the way up there, I don't think. Huh. So it might be optional. It would not surprise me if it's optional. Uh, a lot of stuff is optional in yeah. this game. Um, but Five Pebbles is, uh, Five Pebbles, the character is similar to Moon, but it is a dying supercomputer. 
and you talk to like a an avatar of the AI in the supercomputer. That's what Five Pebbles is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think missing out on Five Pebbles would be missing out on the story. Like one of the very few times when, one of two times, two times when I was like, oh, the game is telling me what it's about. Yeah. You know? So um, Five Pebbles tells you that all the creatures, including you, the slug cat, are trapped in this um, cycle of death and rebirth. Uh, but they say the cycle the cycle is stagnating and they want the cycle to end. Uh, so they tell you that you should go west to the farm arrays, go down and um, ascend, they say. Yeah, even though you're, you end up doing the opposite of that. <laughs> I mean, physically. In a way, physically, yeah. So this kind of gave me a little bit of nice story explanation for why you keep dying and respawning and the karma system and things like that if we have a a cycle of life and death and rebirth uh and once i heard that i started to think um i'm not gonna see my slug cat friends anymore what does it all mean cycle of death and rebirth so um one of the things that i read and apologies to anybody out there who's an actual expert on rain world lore because um i don't think dave or i are really well versed in any of this but um so from what i understand uh five pebbles is the cause of the rain um he's using it to cool his computer I think or something Mm. like that Um, and he and others like him like looks to the moon were all trying to solve uh, I I think I read the great problem which I think is related to like everything in the world being stuck in an endless cycle of dying and being reborn Mm. so that's my very surface understanding of what was going on and it is not my own this is completely stuff that i read okay but that's yeah i mean i i saw that you um in in some of your notes here you were making comparisons to buddhism which i don't i mean i don't know very much about yeah it's um the you know the the death and life and rebirth cycle the karma um those are on the nose you know references to buddhism yeah um but then Later in the game, what really got me thinking about that um, is when you go into the depths, uh, which is the last level, it's pitch black. You need that light, that inner light to traverse uh, down there. All the statues are, they look exactly like Buddhist statues in places that I've been in in Asia. They look, you know, when I was playing, I was like, that reminds me a lot of the statues at Angkor Wat. And um, I went back and looked at my pictures from Angkor Wat, and I was like, "Yeah, those look exactly like them." So that kind of uh, kind of solidified that Buddhist read to it. And then the whole thing about the depths is there are these guardian creatures down there that 
if you're not at a certain level of karma, I think they just kill you. Oh, really? But I don't know how you would be at a lower level of karma because yeah. you, when you go through the thing to the depths, you pass by a gate that instantly raises your karma yeah, to maxes maximum. You out. Um, there's no rain when you're down there. And there are no enemies. So I don't know how you would die unless you found a way to fall. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Too high of a height or there, something. There might be a way. I bet I can find it. But what Moon was telling me, Moon, our friend Moon, right. was telling me is that you can take some items because if you don't meet five pebbles, you don't get that high maximum extra karma. So you can get past oh. the guardians if you carry some items down there. So... That makes me think that if you don't have those and you're not at the karma, the guardians will kill you. So you are proving yourself worthy to them to then go on to the end, which is, you know, ascending. And uh, I don't know a whole lot about Buddhism, so I'm not going to, you know, say something that's going to be incorrect here. But that is the read that I got from this whole thing. And it was really those statues that were like the, the missing link for me. That all makes sense to me. I mean, as much as it can. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we talk about the ending, uh, I want to talk about my experience of finding how to get down to the depths. Um, and this is a part, a point that was intensely frustrating for me. And uh, because I was streaming it all on Twitch, everybody who was watching had the pleasure <laughs> of watching this all play out. Uh, which is normally something that would happen in the the privacy of my my you know home office here. That's the that's what happens when you play on Twitch. Uh, so after meeting five pebbles, I followed it. I got to like the wind farm, and there's this part where you pass like you pass a checkpoint with those um, those scavenger animals. If you bring them a pebble, they'll let you go through their checkpoint. Mm. which I'm glad that I figured out because you see them carrying those pebbles around the whole game. After that, you get to this point where there is this like grass that kills you. It looks like, like sea anemone or something like that. Um, it just, <sighs> you can't walk through it for more than half a second. You just die instantly. Yeah. And the way to get past them is there are these big deer looking creatures down there and you have to ride on their backs I was able to jump because they'll kneel down and you can jump on their backs, but they don't kneel down predictably. And there was just a like an hour stretch where I was, they just didn't kneel down ever again. And yeah. I, I eventually went and looked it up later. There's an item you can put on the ground that they'll kneel down to get. Yes. There's like pheromones. Right. Things. But yeah. I did not figure that out for myself. So, oh, also, uh, one time I was riding on their backs and a bird came down. And, oh, uh, no. <laughs> I didn't even know that could it, happen. Because it's Rain World, of course it can happen. As if there's not enough going on at that point. Right. So, I thought that I had been collecting the neurons for Moon. So, I was like, okay, fuck this place with the deer. <laughs> I had a rough idea. So, I'm on the far west side of the map. And I know I need to go down. I know that shoreline is relatively close. I can go to shoreline, and then if I need to, I can make my way back west. So I used my one fast travel charge to go to shoreline, because uh, I was like, okay, I've collected this shit for Moon. I'm going to go talk to Moon. 
And I went and talked to Moon, and Moon was like, "Okay, have a nice day, sir." And <laughs> <laughs> like nothing happened. She's got so nothing I was like, for you. Well, shit. Okay, so I'm gonna go through the shaded chapel. Um, there's a part in the shaded chapel that's pitch black, but I have that light now. Yeah. So, to me, if I'm trying to figure out where to go, uh, in my head, I'm thinking. Well, the game just gave me an internal light source. I'm going to go to that place that was pitch black that I died to, you know, 15 hours earlier. I'm going to go there. That's going to be the way forward. That was not the way forward. Shaded Chapel has nothing to do with the way to get to the last level. And that's the one time in this game when I felt like they misled me. Instead of like withholding it from me, that felt like complete misdirection. And it felt like I just felt like I was like, okay, that you got to figure, put a fucking like way from shaded chapel into the last area. You, you can't do that. Maybe I, I mean, I was frustrated because I had been running around lost and really struggling to get through shaded chapel. Cause it's really difficult. Oh, it's the worst there. area. If you ask me, <laughs> I mean, so, it's one thing to have enemies. It's another thing to not be able to see and also have the same rain world enemy ecosystem surrounding you in the dark right so like you can see down there if you have that light but it turns out there's another pitch black area in a totally separate part of the map that's not connected to shaded chapel and it felt like um they gave me a light i had already been to a place that was pitch black that was on the critical path to get to shoreline you go through the the lighter sections of Shaded Chapel. You'll probably go down in the dark section and you'll die because you can't see. And then you'll be like, okay, I'll come back some other time maybe. But then I did come back and that's not even close to where I was supposed to go. And that was the one time where I, like outside of all the bullshit from the game, the, the designed bullshit, this just felt like an oversight from the developer where they're like, oh yeah, we do have that other pitch black area that... It doesn't really do anything. There's no reason to go there. So I gave up. I checked the uh, wonderful Rain World interactive map. There's a website um, yeah. where someone has meticulously mapped out every room, every connection, every item, every food spawn, every safe room. It is an incredible work. Um, highly recommended if you find yourself lost. I checked that. It eventually, I was just like, Okay, because the other part was like, you have to go through Shaded Chapel to get back to the outskirts to then go down into the drainage system. Yeah. But I couldn't get through Shaded Chapel because it's so fucking hard. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to see if there's another way. And it turns out the other way was in the shoreline where I was before I decided to go to Shaded Chapel. (laughs) (laughs) So... I wonder if you did ultimately end up going the way that I did. I really don't remember how I got to the end. Um, I know that I, I too, I know that I went into the shaded, uh, shaded Citadel, I think it is. And right. went I went, cause five pebbles says to you like, go West and then go down and go down, yeah. down, down. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go into that big dark pit. Yep. There are there are dead ends down there too, just filled with those spider things. But I think that I don't know. My I think my path did include that, 
And for some reason, I was thinking that there was a way now. I mean, I must have gone around. I don't know how many ways there are. Uh, So it seems like I probably must have eventually made my way to the shoreline and down that way. I think there's two. There's two ways to get into the um, subterranean, it's called, Mm -hmm. uh, the next to last level. Um, There's one way through the farm arrays. Uh, You eventually find this big pit that you jump down. And that takes you to subterranean. The other one's through the shoreline. And that's the way that I went. And it was another one where I, I had to check the map because it turned out that like it was one of those rooms that has like six exits to it. And the one that goes to subterranean to the end of the game was just number six in my <laughs> order of ones to check. And I just oh, no. I just forgot. And it would have been one of those where I was just going in circles forever. So I'm glad I just checked the map. So yeah. Uh, Subterranean's a real motherfucker of an area too. Um, so that's the area right before the very end, right? Yeah. It's the one with all like the, the, the broken down trains and stuff like that. It was really fun though. That's the place with the lizards that are like shadows or am I describing the wrong area? I think there's two areas. There's like the lighter section up above where the main enemies are those electrified orange worms. Oh. And like the train cars. And then you go down deeper and you get into the part that's like, you know, like tunnels. And that's where like those shadowy lizards are. Yeah. I mean, I had a good time. Uh, Just because I I think it's because it felt very end gamey. I was like, oh man, I'm, I must be getting close to something because the intensity level just really cranks up. Mm-hmm. Um, you got it, it, in normal areas, you have maybe like two or three enemies on screen, but in this area it's, it's just crowded with things all over the place. Yeah. And tons of those, um, those big tall enemies that look like ferns, you know, the ones that kind of just lay down and just yep. smother you. Yep. Hate those. Tons of those. So you always have to have a spear to get past those. Yeah, there must be something else to them. I, well, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. It seems like if maybe you have something in your hand, maybe it tries to reach for it. I managed to get past one with something in my hand that wasn't a spear. Hmm. I don't know how they work. Is it, This game is just filled with mysteries. I don't know how so many things work. I know that it doesn't have to be a spear that you throw at them, but a spear will buy you the most time. Mm. Like you can just throw a regular rock and it'll buy you a couple seconds. If you time it perfectly, you can get past him. But a spear yeah. will disable them for more than long enough to get past him. Yeah, they'll get shaken up. But yeah, that part with the, the trains up above and those electrified orange worms was... <laughs> oh man, that was rough. Uh, just like you go through the karma gate to get into subterranean, you rest and then you go out and there's like, I don't know, maybe like five screens of those trains and those worms. And that took me like an hour to get through. It was just so hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It revs up. And I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. But the, the lower portion, the one that's dark and really red and angry, that felt Mm -hmm. like it was like, okay, this is, you know, if there was a final boss, it would be down here. Yeah. You know, that part was a little bit easier because I it just had more like tunnels to escape from the enemies and 
Yeah, agreed. There were a lot of ways to go. Lots of enemies, but also lots of lots of points of escape, I guess. It's it, yeah. which helps. Did you uh did you ever figure out the trick where if you go through the little tunnel between rooms and an enemy follows you, then you just immediately double back? <laughs> I think Moon told me. Okay. Uh, at some point during my first playthrough. I don't think I figured it out. I also don't think I made good enough use of it. Uh, my second playthrough, I absolutely did. And it's yeah. the best. Uh, it's the best way to escape something because um, they lose track of you. Yeah. The the one thing that really feels like it benefits you over the the predators. Like, you can just do that. Maybe you have to do it like two or three times, but you should lose track of them or at least like buy yourself some extra space to run and climb and do something else to buy yourself some more space, you yeah. know? So let, let's talk about that that ending. So you go all the way down, just keep going down, down, down. You get to the this area called the depths that is like really dreamy. It looks like it's kind of like shimmering. It has all those statues. It has those weird guardian things that are, seems like they're judging you and allowing you to pass uh, rather than just kind of chilling, you know? And I got the distinct sense that if I wronged them that they would kill me (laughs) (laughs) i definitely did feel a sense of caution even though they never acknowledged me yeah they're imposing and there's no rain down there which is good yeah so uh there's all of those like statues down there that i talked about they have i'll try to describe it for people they have this distinct like studded you know stone statue hairstyle uh, that again reminded me of those those Buddhist statues at Angkor Wat, and um, eventually you get to a point at the bottom where it just gradually becomes more gold. Like it starts, the cavern looks like it's gilded at first, like like there's gold veins running through the rocks or something. And as you keep going, the gold just takes over until eventually everything is gold. I can't say the word gold without thinking of gold member from Austin Powers oh. three. <laughs> it's uh, it's actually an homage to that. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's a yeah. When you read the inspirations, it's the subway rat, it's the the experience in South Korea, and then it's Austin Powers three, mm-hmm. uh, gold member. So eventually, this all it all feels like it's kind of melting away, and. There's a point where you can't run anymore and all you can do is swim, but you have to swim down and you don't have those squid to help you swim. And I don't know about you, but this felt like a, in the back of my head, I'm just thinking like, I don't think I can die here, but if I do, I'm fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, I, even though I don't think you can die, but I too was constantly afraid that something was going to happen. So you swim straight down into this like lake of gold and eventually the gold Forever. fades away. And you, yeah. You swim for a long time. Yeah. But it, it was very clearly the only thing you could do. So um, you keep swimming and then 
man. The gold fades away and it's all black. It's called I think it's called the Void Sea in the game's uh lore. The music is fucking going crazy during this part. It's it's really good. Um and then there's all these worms down there. They're called void worms and they there's this one really big one that is just jostling the fuck out of you. Like I didn't know what to do. I had to look up what to, or I had to, someone in my chat when I was streaming looked up what to do because I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And the answer was to swim down into the right. To swim down. Yeah. I mean, you just got to keep going for like 10 minutes. Dude, it's forever. Yeah. Yeah. You're just holding, I was just holding down on the D pad the whole time. To the point where like, my finger kind of hurt from just constantly holding down the control stick for yeah. like, like, like not an exaggeration, yeah, like legit. literally minutes, minutes of just holding it down. And then eventually one of those void worms grabs you and pulls you really far down uh, into this void. And then you're surround, you start to swim. And then these other slug cats start to swim into the picture with you. And I got this like really distinct, like, oh, is this about this, the journey of the sperm and all of the trials and tribulations I've been through? This is sperm <laughs> allegory that we're doing here. It's, I don't think it is, but the, the imagery in this scene was like, that's pretty striking. The, Looks a lot like it. The imagery is there. I don't know how you couldn't see the sperm imagery. You got a bunch yeah. of white sperm shaped creatures swimming around you. In They're a all black swimming void. toward, in a yeah. black void toward a giant circle. Because, yeah, you're right. In one of the corners of your screen, there's like a light and it's, you know, they, you swim to the light, basically. Mm-hmm. How long did that take you to figure out? Because I, I actually, because I had been swimming down for so long, I just kept doing that. I really wish, <laughs> I wish there had been a prompt or something. I, I think I did, like, uh, I think I spent at least as much time just continuing to try to swim down as I did to get there. And eventually I tried changing directions and found my way. I wish there'd been some kind of prompt. Did you, did you just figure it out right away? You like noticed a little light and you were like, I'm going there. Um, I know someone in my stream chat. Um, cause I was lost, very lost. Yeah. And someone was like, Hey, I looked it up. Do you want a hint? And I was like, yes, please give me a hint. <laughs> and they said, swim down into the right, eventually you'll see a light. And I was like, okay, got it. But that light is not there early enough, No, I would say. So like, if they had just made the light a little bit more noticeable at the beginning, that would have helped. Yeah. I think that was a little too obscure there. Because here you are at the climax of the game. I was ready. I was ready for whatever ending was in store. And instead, I was just sitting there swimming in the dark for another 10 minutes. Yeah, and this was a section that I don't think it's beneficial to be super obtuse about what you're supposed to do during this particular section, because mm-hmm. this is a big moment. Like you went through this gold cavern, you swam down into this lake, and then you somehow have to figure out to swim past the worm or grab the worm or something like that. And then it pulls you down. You have to figure out which way to go to make the light appear I think it could have been streamlined a little bit better to help this of all the parts in the game that could have benefited from being frictionless. I think this is the part. Yeah. I mean, it's cinematic. Yeah. So yeah, I think reducing the tedium would have, I think it would have improved the experience. 
but yeah, overall sure. a pretty minor gripe. Yeah. Um, and once you do reach that light, you get this, um, you know, cutscene of your slug cat, uh, ascending at the end, uh, basically with all the other little slug cats. And it's a, it's a wonderful scene. The music is really, really good during this part again. Like this, I said earlier, the music tends to pick its spots, like when to punctuate what's going on. And this is the part where they're like, the music's going to go fucking ham here and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and it was. So we have this um, kind of end of the end of the cycle. I'm not sure that I broke the cycle, uh, but at least my slug cat ascended along with a bunch of others. I wonder if you do the stuff for Moon collecting neurons or something. I wonder if there are different endings. I didn't really look into that. I know that there are. I know that the other campaigns mm. give you oh, yeah. more. The other campaigns take place at different points in the timeline is what I read. Yeah. I would be curious. I mean, I, I'm afraid to try some of the harder campaigns. Like, uh, apparently the hunter has a limited number of cycles until you can get to, for you to get to the objective. And I think that's Oof. terrifying. Um, I think you'd have to be really good. You'd have to be really confident about your rain world skills. Uh, but I think some of the DLC characters might be a little more chill. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. What did you... I just I just read how many cycles the hunter gets. Dude, the hunter gets 19. 19? Wow, that's yeah. lower than I would have guessed. I was on like cycle 97 when <laughs> yeah. I beat this game. <laughs> right, same. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was certainly a lot more than that. Wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's intense. So... No, you can't. Like, I was thinking, like, oh, well, you just not, you just don't rest in the shelters. No, you can't do that because the rain comes. You have to rest in the shelters. <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason you have to do that. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, when you visit Five Pebbles as the hunter, you get five extra cycles on your time. Oh, so yeah, that that sounds um, really tough. Oh, uh, there's the other thing. Downpour introduces these remix options where you can like customize your difficulty. And it says that one of them, uh, you can customize how many cycles the hunter gets. Oh, so 9,000 cool. cycles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will take 200, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, especially cause this is like hard mode. Yeah. It's the game's equivalent of that. As if rain world needs a hard mode. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like sicko stuff. Um, I am kind of interested in trying some of the DLC characters, like the Gourmand is supposed to craft stuff. I don't know what you can craft, but I'm interested to see. Yeah, it's, it, the characters apparently got some different movement stuff too. Um, hmm. Like like the bulk can be uh, weaponized even, which sounds interesting. Weaponized bulk. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I would be interested in checking out those other campaigns too, but... Uh, I think I'm going to have to take, you know, a year or two break <laughs> to work up the courage to play rain world again. Yeah. That, um, it, this is a game that I think I would, I would replay. Uh, it feels like a game where, um, you know, even if I don't want to replay the entire thing though, I do want to, cause I want to play some of those DLC characters, it is a game that like, if I'm ever just sitting around, you know, got my steam deck or something and I'm like, I don't really feel like playing whatever games I got going on. 
I'll just tool around in Rain World for a half hour or something. Just, you know, see what I can do. It has been fun. I've done that a couple times since beating the game. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, really special game really sticks with you. It can also just be a fun world to play in. I think if you don't, if you don't have an objective and you just want to mess around, that can be a good time. Yeah. There's a a little bit distracted because I left the uh, wiki page for the hunter up on my, uh, (laughs) my screen and there's a a gif of the hunter eating one of the dead lizards uh, because you can eat animals as the hunter. So, Ooh, all right. Well, dude, Thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast and talking about Rain World with me. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is my vocal introduction to many of our mutual Discord acquaintances. Right. Uh, <laughs> thank you for you know bringing me on to awkwardly talk about a video game for two hours. Nah, that's uh, that's what this show is all about. Awkwardly talking about video games for two hours. I'm going to put that on the uh, the back of the box. So, uh, I appreciate you, man. I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the conversation as always. Thanks so much. And for everyone listening, I appreciate everyone who always sticks it to the end. Um, if you want to come in the discord server and talk about rain world, uh, especially now that you know how, um, soccer and I's specific playthroughs went and all the various ways that we fucked it all up. <laughs> um, you can come in and chat. We would love to have you. And um, yeah, as always, I appreciate you. Thank you to everyone who supports on Patreon. Tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog. 